was in one church releasing prophetic words to people and I saw this picture for one man who was in the eldership of this particular church and the picture I saw was a lettuce leaf. I says, I can see a lettuce leaf. He kind of went, <laughs> I said, actually, I believe the Lord's given you a, you know, a, a preaching gift and a teaching gift in the picture of the lettuce leaf. He wants it to be crisp. Crisp messages, not limp. And he could receive that. So it's the same with our prophesying. We want to give crisp messages which people can be refreshed by. So just going to keep going with this a little bit. Um, we haven't got a long time and I want to do some more... Is that snow? <laughs> I have to do some more practice. Um... So, but we're talking about the language of God. And in Genesis 11, we find the whole earth spoke the same language. This is talking about the Tower of Babel. And they said, let's build this city with a tower whose top goes up to heaven uh, so that we can have a name, um, lest we be scattered abroad. So their motivation was in building, their motivation in building was to make their own name seen. Our motivation as prophetic people in building is that Jesus is seen, Jesus is the centre, Jesus is exalted, Jesus is seen. Uh, They were a people of one language. Then God was observing. Um, They were a people of one language. So nothing that they purpose will be impossible to them. So when they were in agreement and in unity and they were speaking the same language, nothing was impossible. So the Lord came down and scattered them abroad and uh, confused the languages. And that's why it's called Babel. So this is the the false version of the true. The Lord is bringing us into agreement with him that we speak his language. And when we speak his language in agreement with him, nothing is impossible. But we are not building a tower (coughs) for our name. We're building what Jesus is building. He's building his church. He's building his kingdom. What he is building, but we're building it in agreement and we're speaking his language. So the question is, what is his language? Now, there's another picture um, of this language there. We were talking about building language. (coughs) The language of the bride. And um, this came to me as I was hearing, actually, Stephen teach a message from the book of Esther from Esther chapter 1 and there was this Queen Vashti um, married to the king but she wouldn't come to the king and at the end of uh, in his banquet she wouldn't come to him and at the end of Esther chapter 1 we can deduce that she not only would she not come to him but in actual fact she wouldn't speak his language she was a foreign (coughs) queen and she wouldn't speak the language of the king because in that chapter at the end of the chapter it says um, so we're making, a, we're making a decree, we're making a proclamation that all these ladies, that they have to speak the same language in their house as their husband. So we can conclude from that, not only would Vashti not come to the king in his banquet, she wouldn't speak his language. She was a foreign queen and she wouldn't speak the language of the king. Now, we are the bride of a bridegroom who is the king of kings and lord of lords. And we are an Esther bride. And we are to speak the language of our king. 
And so we need to understand what is this language. And we'll look at this. So here's, this is not an exhaustive theological list. This is just a flavour of this language of our bridegroom who is the king. It's a new covenant language. It's not an old covenant language. And we'll come back to that. It's a language of thanksgiving. It's a language of building up and edifying, of not tearing down, but of building up. You see, actually, in the cross, Jesus tore down everything that needed to be torn down. He's done it. And the way things get torn down is by applying the finished work of Jesus and speaking his victory. But he's now in the process of building his kingdom. And so he wants his prophetic people to focus on using the building language which builds his kingdom. Um, The language, it says in 2 Corinthians, it talks about um, the language, it says that that the Lord, the Spirit, clothes spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now, there are times when you know God wants to say something particularly when you're learning in the prophetic. You know God wants to say something, but you don't know how to say it. The more we as prophetic people are willing to soak in the word of God, that's the scriptures, soak in them, meditate on them. We're not saying you have to become a theologian, but you need to read your Bible. This is not always, this can be a weakness of prophetic people. You want revelation, but you're not reading your Bible enough. I'm not saying you're doing that here, but... The strength is the more you put the vocabulary of the scriptures, which is the language of the spirit, into your spirit, the spirit's got words he can use to clothe the revelation that you are sensing he wants to speak. So soak yourself in the word. When you're giving revelation and when you're giving prophecy, do it in a way that lifts people up and doesn't push them down. You're not coming over the top of people because you have revelation. You're coming underneath as a servant with the words you use to lift people up so that they're built up, they're encouraged, they're strengthened, they're comforted. We're never insulting. You know, I've heard people give accurate prophetic revelation, but they spoke it in such a way that they were coming over people, they were insulting people, and that they were being... They were not being kind in the way they were saying things. Now, these things weren't even negative, but the spirit with which the word was being given wasn't kind. It wasn't being servanthood and lifting up. It was like, I know so many things about you, and so I'm just saying this part because I'm so in the spirit and I know so much revelation. This is completely wrong. You can have the right revelation, but the way you say it is so wrong You destroy the whole word. You really destroy it. When you don't give it as a servant, you don't give it with the kind heart of God, when you're not lifting up and you're not honouring. So comforting, come near, come alongside, console, calm, encourage. We're blessing, we're not cursing. It's language of creation, it's language of love, it's language of agreement, language of building, it's language of healing. It's language of restoring, it's language of honour, and it's language of the exchange. And we'll come back to some of these. So here here is the essence of the new covenant compared with the the old covenant. When we speak about the old covenant, we're talking about the covenant that the Lord gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. 
uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul, who'd been a Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, and then he met Jesus and he was receiving incredible revelation about the new covenant, that it was no longer the old covenant. Jesus, as the high priest, um, had brought in a, the new covenant. And uh, he talks about it in Romans, he talks about it in Galatians, he talks about it in his uh, letters, but he distills it in this one chapter of 2 Corinthians 3. And so this is the essence. And you as a, a prophetic person, in order to have this language of the new covenant, in the way you speak the revelation you receive, um, soak yourself in not only in this passage, but in, in Paul's letters, so that we're using new covenant language when we convey the revelation. You see, people have said for a long time that there's revelation, there's interpretation, there's application. The, the revelation is what we receive. The interpretation, what does it mean? The application, what do we do with it? Then we said there's a fourth one. There is communication. There's how you communicate the revelation you have received. Very, very important. Um, so this is new covenant language. We see in the new covenant, the spirit gives life. The old covenant, which is the, the law given on Mount Sinai to Moses. It's a letter that kills because there's no, there's no power to do it. In the New Covenant, there's the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, to live uh, our life out in Christ. So there is life in the New Covenant. So the words you're speaking need to be spirit and life. That's what Jesus said. The words I'm speaking to you are spirit and life. And they'll do that when we're in the framework and when we're on the ground of the new covenant. We stand on the ground of the old covenant, which is do, 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 do. You have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it yourself. And some, some people, when they're teaching about this, say it's like ortery and mustery, which is quite good in the English because it means... <gasps> so, but you, you'll, if you stand on the ground of the old covenant, you'll, you'll release a letter that kills the new covenant is a ministry that's in the power of the Holy Spirit. The old covenant ministers death. The new covenant, and you find it in this chapter, is talking about it's even more glorious. It's abounding in glory, it's surpassing glory, it's remaining glory. This covenant is full of glory. So when we are releasing a new covenant prophetic word, it releases glory. If you stand on the ground of the old covenant... It says there's a glory that's passing away, so as it's com almost completely passed away. There's no glory on that word. There's no glory um, and presence and life on that word. It's a new covenant is a ministry of righteousness. Now, we can think of righteousness, we think it's um, what we do. Righteousness is what we are given by Christ. When, when he died and rose again, he released to us his righteousness. He took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. Again, that's in Corinthians. So it's a ministry of righteousness. And it's Christ's righteousness that we're, rele we're releasing. The Old Testament, Old Covenant, rather, releases a ministry of condemnation. Now, sometimes you hear people prophesying and they have the right revelation, but they are releasing condemnation because they're standing on the ground of the wrong covenant. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. The veil is removed in Christ. 
in the Old Covenant it said there's still a veil over the face, over the heart and over the mind. This is important for prophetic people. If you stand on the ground of the Old Covenant, you have a veil over your eyes and over your face and over your mind. How are you going to hear and see in the spirit if there's a veil? But the veil is removed in Christ, therefore we can see. And it's like Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Um, the New Covenant, it says there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Um, Romans 8 tells us the Old Covenant is a covenant of slavery. So when we are releasing prophetic words, are we binding people up or are we setting them free? Um, New Covenant is a covenant of transformation, being changed and transformed from glory to glory. And the Old Covenant, Hebrews tells us, by the Old Covenant... Nothing can be made perfect. So you can see the difference, and it's important which ground we're standing on. So just shift yourself over. If you need to just move your feet, you know, we're not standing up at the moment. Just shift feet. I'm moving over. I am standing on the ground of the new covenant. And we minister the exchange. So if, if you see that somebody's got pain, and they're hurting... You don't focus on the pain and the hurting when you're, in a, when you're in a prophecy situation. It's different if you're ministering, coming alongside pastorally, and you are praying about inner healing or something like that. You would still use this exchange. But as particularly when you're prophesying, you don't, oh, I see you've got pain, and you've got more pain. And, oh, there's so much pain. I just see there's so much pain. Everybody laughs when we do these things. We hear people do this all the time, exactly like this. Even when we've talked about this and we have them practice, they do this because we have to change the way we communicate. So instead of saying pain, Jesus took our pain and he gave us his healing and he gave us his wholeness. So you don't talk about all that pain. You say, I see Jesus coming and there's so much healing for you. And he's just pouring now. He's pouring his healing oil in. And he's just really healing you. And not only that, he's releasing through you great healing. You pull it, you see. Because where the enemies cause pain and difficulty, he's only attacking that place because that person is going to be used powerfully in, in that way. And so you turn it right round. And you, you bless the person and you exchange. So... Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. He was wounded that we might be healed. He was made sin with my sin that I might be made righteous with his righteousness. He tasted death that we might share his life. He was made a curse that we might receive his blessing. He was made my poverty that I might share his abundance. He bore my shame that I might share his glory. He endured rejection that I might have his acceptance etc and there's many more exchanges through scripture once you understand that concept of the exchange each one of those has a scripture many of them are found in Isaiah 53 Um, but there is many the the one about uh, he became our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ that's in Corinthians Um, there's, there's many there's some more in Isaiah 61 60, 61, there's more exchanges. He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. These are exchanges that Jesus bore on the cross. So if somebody's mourning, 
you know, you're coming alongside to comfort them and you're coming alongside that they might start um, receiving peace and healing and joy and life in, into that area. So exchange it as, as you are prophesying. So there's language of the new covenant, there's language of the exchange, and there's the language of honour. Um, very important in any form of ministry that you are uh, involved with. Honour is part of the glory word. So if we're wanting to release this new covenant glory, we, we honour people. We honour who we are. We're, we're honouring everybody that we are ministering to. Which an honour means to clothe with splendour, to release grace, to beautify, to make rich. It means to treat as precious and valuable because it was bought, it was bought with a very great price. So my example is, you have a Ming vase in your hallway and it needs to be washed clean. You don't take a Brillo pad and start scrubbing a Ming vase. You very carefully wash it after you've looked up exactly how you wash an ancient Ming vase worth millions. When you are ministering to a person pathetically or in any other way, you are ministering to somebody who has been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus. And that price, there is no price higher than that price. Therefore, that person is so highly valued, the Lord requires that you treat that person very preciously. You don't slap them around in an arrogant way that you know something that they don't know. You don't, you're not in any way unpleasant with them. You have to be ministering the love of Christ to them because Jesus loves them so much that he gave his life for them. He went to the very pit, the very bottom of hell, the lowest place that there exists in all of creation, in all of eternity. He went to that place that that person could receive the fullness of life. And you were there as his ambassador to reflect him. So to then slap that person around with a Brillo pad does not reflect Christ. And so all the time we are an ambassador. How are we deporting ourselves in giving this ministry to this person? So we're treating them as beloved. We're treating them with dignity, with worth. We're treating them like royalty. Um, and there's just some scriptures there about honouring. Honour all men. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Honouring uh, takes a place of humility and servanthood. And then we've got various scriptures there that you can just write down and look at about honour. Preferring one another. Honour and prefer one another. And where there is a, a, a member that appears to be less, God bestows more honour on that one. Even abundant honour. And how did the Father honour Jesus um, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter comments on it. He says, uh, For he received from God the Father honour and glory when there came a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Lord is pleased with his children because he's washed us with the blood of Jesus. So he's not wanting us as prophetic people just coming with some tirade against people. It's very upsetting, very cruel. Um, we know um, many of you, who's heard of Graham Cook? Yeah. 
he said to us, he said he spends more time undoing bad prophecy that's been given to people than actually giving prophetic words. And that's saying something. He gives a lot of prophetic words to people. So that's really sad. And we want him that there is healthy prophecy. There's, you know, sweet prophecy that builds people up. And we, we need to really put aside the other stuff. What happens is, we think, you know, oh, I see this, and I see this, and I see this. Well, yeah, you're a pathetic person. You see a lot of things, but most of it you don't need to say. Mm-hmm. And what we do need to say is the things that build up. And as you train yourself to speak the things that are good and kind and sweet, it changes you on the inside yourself because there's a river of goodness starts flowing out of you. So in the end, you're not actually interested in all this other stuff. And you're so trained, even when it's in a difficult place, where it's hard to say the, the good word, it comes out because you've let the spirit train your mouth to say the good word and not what your mind would say about the situation that you're looking at because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways but it's a training of the mouth blessing so we've had new covenant words we've had uh, exchange words we've had honoring words and blessing words is really powerful we were hearing a lot of you doing that and blessing your communities and going out and praying on the streets and blessing. That's awesome, and it really is a powerful job of the prophetic people to do that. So we're really glad to hear that. It's super important. Um, It means to... Blessing means to speak well of, to speak good of, to bless, to thank, to praise. The root of the word means knee, and it means to kneel down. So when we bless somebody, we're taking this posture of kneeling down, which I can't do because my skirt's stuck on the You're kneeling down and you're taking a low place and you're blessing somebody. You're not blessing somebody from, oh, I, oh, I bless you. You are really serving them in blessing them. Um, it actually is a word that means where camels kneel down to take a drink. And the more we drink of the Holy Spirit and let him and go to Jesus and take a drink from him like we were saying the more the river of blessing flows out through us we, we like to bless it's when you if you bless then you're giving somebody a gift and it's connected to honouring there's great power in blessing blessing was connected to creation the Lord blessed things and there was creation. So when we bless people, God can create things and bring things into being that are not actually operating in their lives when we use the language of blessing. And there's the blessing of the Lord, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So blessing has to do with releasing fruitfulness and multiplication in people's lives. Blessing's really powerful when we're in prophecy situations and ministry situations where things look impossible so as you start blessing things then things can be brought into order and God can create and the impossible can become possible and there's, gener- and there's blessing that passes past down the generations Abraham blessed Isaac Isaac blessed Jacob 
Jacob blessed the tribes. And when Isaac blessed Jacob, he, was, he thought he was blessing Esau, but he knew a prophetic blessing. The prophetic blessing he had had gone out to Jacob. So when Esau came, he said, I've given the blessing. I know I have imparted the blessing, the prophetic blessing. I've imparted it already to Jacob. When you bless, it's not just words. There is an impartation of the spirit that goes with that. So it's definitely connected to um, the prophetic. And then the blessing comes down to the new covenant. Again, you can have the PowerPoint if you go and write your name down on the sheet so you get all these scriptures. Paul was coming in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. That's where how he was going to minister. He was coming in the blessing of the fullness of Christ. And if you come from a point where you are full of the blessing of Christ, you have no lack. So you're not intimidated by a situation. You're also not uh, lacking in your identity. You can give somebody else fullness because you have fullness. Sometimes we can be really in our soul and in our flesh we say well I don't really want to bless them that much because then they'll be blessed more than me now if you're coming in the fullness already you can be lavish in how you bless people with the and let you can let God speak fullness to somebody else and let God really bless them in the fullness of their destiny and their calling because you you are standing in fullness um now, the fullness of this blessing, when you look down the, and study it through, the blessing is in the Holy Spirit. All blessing is in the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's important for prophetic people, when you are preparing to minister, you spend time soaking in the Holy Spirit. Let yourself be filled with the Spirit, because he is the one who's going to minister the blessing. He is the one who's going to minister the fullness of inheritance to the people that you're going to minister to, whether it be an individual, a church, or a nation. When Jesus blessed the bread, it multiplied. Again, that's the same as we read in Genesis. Blessing releases multiplication and fruitfulness. So you can bless people's lives as part of a prophetic word. You're blessing them to um, enter into the fullness of multiplication for their life, the fullness of fruitfulness for their life Matthew 25 34 come you blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you those who are blessed of the father inherit the kingdom we are blessed of the father and we can inherit the kingdom not like Esther which was she got from the king half the kingdom there's a fullness of the kingdom Jesus is so lavish he's given us all his kingdom and then sometimes we think oh I don't like to there's a fullness of the kingdom given to each one of us and corporately to us and yet we are a bit no no I don't think I can bless them that much Stephen gave that example earlier where he blessed this government government and the Lord he really answered from the finished work of Jesus comes blessing from the presence of the Lord comes the blessing we are blessed to be a blessing and to bless God for his blessings um, just a, a very quick, yeah. <coughs> I was working with a, a leader in the nation, and Paul was here, he's a prophetic intercessor. He was praying for a young lady who 
I'd never known her father, but her father was a woman based in Scotland. And he was praying in his own room for this, this girl. Through the room, in this nation far away, the warlock appeared. And so my 20-year-old leader started binding whatever and whatever. And the mortar said, and nothing happened because the warlock laughed at him. And the mortar said, bless him. So, so this leader blessed the warlock who went and shrieked no and disappeared. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this goes with this next slide. Bless and don't curse. So excellent. They bless with their mouth, but curse inwardly. Blessing should be from the heart and spirit, not just from the mouth. They loved cursing. It says, and continued to curse, and therefore it went inside them, and they became cursed. So, if we continue, if we love to curse. That actually affects us. As we bless, that we get blessed. It's really powerful, and that's a very good example that we just heard. Psalm 103 talks about all the blessing benefits. He, the Lord heals us, he pardons us, uh, he redeems us, he crowns us with loving kindness and compass, compassion and satisfies us with good things, renewing our youth like the eagle. These are blessings. And the Lord blesses us with peace. And you can read in 1 Chronicles 4.10 this prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me with a double blessing and enlarge my borders, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I would have no pain. God granted this request. We've done that in many scenarios. We bless people that have been in pain and the Lord has taken away the pain instantaneously. I was teaching about blessing in one nation and there was one of the leaders wasn't there because he was in hospital and he had some stones um, in his kidneys and he was in a great deal of pain so just at the end when we um, finished teaching about this I, I blessed him a distance and I said you know be free of pain and be free from these kidney stones we got back to the pastor's house and the or the leader ran and he said he was completely free of pain he, and he passed the stone and he was completely free the power of blessing in many different scenarios including prophecy so we're going to practice this in the last I've sped through that take the um, powerpoint and you can look at those scriptures on honouring and on blessing on the exchange and you can study it for yourself and you can soak in it it's soaking in these things so that the, um, it starts to change our thinking and it starts to change our speaking. But it, it's like it has to do this to your brain and it has to do this to your mouth so that you let the Lord... It's like learning a new language. For example, Danish, a lot of it's down here. <laughs> That's the best I can do. It's like a, a deep down yodeling. And we in UK, you can't naturally do it because it's not our natural language. Our natural language is very much in the fore of the mouth. There's a lot of it's down here. So to train in that language, you'd have to train yourself to do to do all their sounds. You'd have to go around going so you could get to do that. And it's the same with this language of the examples we've given of speaking the language of God, the language of the bride, the language of building. You have to keep doing it and keep doing it. And th then it becomes natural. That when you're prophesying, that's how you prophesy. So we're going to practice. 
This is, this is what we do everywhere we go. We, we train people to, to speak with New Covenant prophecy and to communicate in a New Covenant way. 